Spoiler alert! Hello everyone and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. As with Book Club, there will be spoilers. We are discussing Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. But before we go into that, I wanted to say that I know some of you want to support this book club. Some of you want to support this podcast. If you like my content and would like to help me out, how about buy me a coffee? Go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you for it. And for those of you who have already bought me coffee, I'm humbled and thank you. Okay, back to Hamnet and our book club. We recorded this on January 7th of 2021, and we had nine of us in attendance. Of course, doing it on Zoom is never ideal, but this time we used the raise hand feature on Zoom. I felt it flowed more smoothly. Let me know what you thought. And uh, without further ado, welcome to Book Club. So everyone, hey, welcome to uh, our first book club of 2021. Well, first book club meeting of 2021. This is our second year of this book club. And we're going to start with the Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. I'm really excited you guys are here. So I'm going to ask my normal first question. First thoughts about this book. Amy, you want to go? Sure. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's probably going to be one of my favorite all-time favorite books. The writing was amazing. Wow. Jen, you're nodding your head. Yeah, I agree. I loved it. I'm in love with it. I finished it today. Um, I, t- I had to take time off work to finish a book. I want to come at this um, not having read every word and I have 22 pages left um, as of last night. So I got that done today. Um, I just, I thought, I just thought it was fantastic. I love her writing. I'm going to look up everything else she writes. Um, it was, it was heartbreaking and, and beautifully done. I'm just, I'm a huge fan. It was great. Good choice. Erin? I do think that um, this author made this story with her writing. Like I, I 100% believe that because on face value, like I kind of knew this, the story, the history behind it. And I was like, I don't know, this seems like it might be a pretty dry topic, but I really did love the author's writing style. And I also liked, um, I wish she would have spend a little bit more time developing um the the mother's character because and spend a little bit more time on it. I mean there was a lot of great parts about it that I liked I liked how she drew in you know that she was not part, maybe like she didn't fit into this culture that she was surrounded by and um just like how much of her life was influenced by death and by trying to avoid death and um, I don't know. I just, I really appreciated it. I did feel like I related to her. Lori. All right. So I liked the book. I did not love the book. I will probably be in the minority here. I do absolutely agree that the writing was beautiful. It was gorgeous writing. It honestly was what kept me going when I was 
bored out of my mind in the first part of the book, to be honest. <laughs> but the writing was definitely beautiful. It did pick up in about the last third of the book. That's when I finally got really invested in it and, and liked the story. Um, but it was overall a, a good book, but not a great book for me. And uh, Lori, you're not in the minority because <laughs> then we both are in the minority. It was a good book, but not like amazing to me. Here's the thing, the writing, the prose was phenomenal. I mean, this author can write. The story was good. There were a lot of elements to it that I just felt that could have been done better or I was just kind of like, I don't like this character. I was like, whatever. I was, okay. I'm just gonna say it. I was hung up on the one of the first scenes where the um, where he gets hit by the grandfather, and that was his big deal, and then that was it. Like it was just like I was hung up on. Wait, okay, uh, let's go. What happened after that? You know, and then the whole first part just kind of was like me trying to figure out what happened. Okay, Hamnet. I keep confusing Hamlet with Hamnet. I've been using Hamnet so much. I kept think I keep thinking the name is Hamlet now. But anyway, Hamnet's death was sad. But you know, I'm wondering if I'm just heartless because I was just like, okay, fine, he died. Uh, I it was just the whole Agnes character, the mother character was just I don't know. It was good, but it didn't blow my mind. It wasn't. Sorry. I'm in the minority. Oh my goodness, Bowie's here now. God save me. Me too, Shanath. I'm a little <laughs> nervous. We, we, God save both of us. <laughs> and you know, I don't, I don't think it's that you were heartless or insensitive. I mean, you knew that was a premise of the story. You knew that Hamnet was going to die. You knew that this was going to happen. I think one thing that I struggled with in the beginning was that it jumped around time frames a lot. And for me, it wasn't as clear okay, are we then? Are we now? Or where are we? Okay. And then I'd figure it out and then we'd be on to a different time. And so that was kind of hard for me to get my bearings in the beginning. Uh, and then as I figured it out, I enjoyed things a bit more. I'd like to welcome uh, Rifat. We have a new member. Hi there. How are you guys? Good. So uh, we just first thoughts about the book is what we're talking mm -hmm. right now. So what are your first thoughts about the book? I really liked it actually um, and I think if you read what I wrote about it on Instagram that it um, it, it was kind of like very heartfelt um, and I loved uh, the uh, that she imagined the whole thing based on Shakespeare's life and her, her his son you know I just kind of that was the most touchy thing and I read the book keeping that in mind and I understand if I didn't have that in mind, I would probably not be that generous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's what I feel, but I really love the book a lot. Bowie, do I even want to call on you right now? I'm kind of nervous, but go for it. <laughs> I love that I'm seen as like the, the book club bully. Also apologies <laughs> for my animals that are as uh, riled up as me about what I'm hearing so far about Hamnet. Um, I, I'm just going to say, it. I think this is a perfect novel. Um, 
I loved everything about it. I loved the structure. I loved the prose. However, I will note, I did listen to the audiobook. So, and the, the voice actor was just incredible in the audiobook. And I do think that really influenced my perception. Um, so, so I will add that note, but absolutely obsessed with this novel. Thank you for asking, Shanaz. Dr. Jen, right? Dr. Jen, go for it. That, I, I think that's the way, that's the best way I can distinguish. Unless Je, Jen Brown, are you a doctor too? Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, not, but okay. Okay, Dr. Jen, go. Uh, just brief overview, is that what we're going for here? I Sorry, I missed the beginning. First thoughts. Yeah, brief yeah. overview, first thoughts. Um, I, I loved the uh, emotions that the author was able to bring out, especially after Hamnet had died. I think that was my favorite part. Um, I thought that it ended at a weird place, though. Like, I, I, I um, used the, the Kindle, and so I kept thinking there was more and more and more to go. And then I got to the end, and I was like, wait a second, what happened? Um, so that was one of my um, not favorite parts. Okay. What was your favorite scene in the book I have to agree with Dr. Healy um, that my favorite part was describing the death and like the after effects the emotions of Agnes from a mother's perspective because I mean I could just like I have not experienced the loss of a child but I could um, very much feel that and feel like that's probably how I would be you know what I would be going through and I have walked with families through that process so I just, I, it really rung true for me. Jen. Um, I, I agree with Erin completely. Uh, I, as a mom of two girls, um, I read that part and lost my mind. And my, one of my daughters, unfortunately came in right when I was reading it and I just grabbed her. She was like, mom, what are you doing? She's like, nope, just hang on. I'm just going to squeeze you for like five minutes because it is, it's how I envision feeling. And I think, um, she really, she really brought a lot of, um, emotion into that particular part of the book. Um, but another theme I was going to mention, I don't know if it's a theme, but it's something I really appreciated that the author did is that she took these real people, right? And she breathed all this life into these people that we don't know. We don't know a lot about. Um, we know a lot about Shakespeare, right? And he was never named once in the book. He never was mentioned by name, but everybody in his surrounding life that kind of fell to the wayside of history um, got all this life breathed into them by this author. And I just thought it was a, I thought it was a cool uh, kind of beautiful thing that she did with it. I'd like to welcome uh, Sangeeta. Oh, welcome hi. to the club. Hello. Me... So we're talking, um, you could tell us your first thoughts of the book and also what your uh, favorite scene of the book was. Um, thoughts on the book. I like the way she um, described the, like the surrounding and the whole situation. It felt like you're walking through the whole um, the whole story walking with the characters. So that was uh, very, you could really visualize what she was trying to say. Um, and I really liked the part where um, the way it started off like with Hamnet and um, you know, when it, it was, it was just nice, the, the flow of it, like how she brought in the different characters and how she took it to the two different eras. And that was, uh, really nice. So I like the way it went back and forth. So yeah, that I, I like the way it was done. Like the back and forth was really interesting. And the, even the, the last part, like when the, when she loses the child, the emotions and uh, how she went through the whole sequence of it, that was, uh, 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 what, what can I say? 
you could really feel her emotions. So, yep. Bowie, you want to say something? Go for it. As far as favorite scenes, I loved when she sees the play. Um, I'm, for, I'm forgetting her name right now. I'm so sorry. Is it Agnes? Agnes is correct. Right? Okay. Yeah. When Agnes sees the play, I was, I was there. I was like sitting next to her at the play, feeling every single thing with her and being like, oh no, he didn't. Are you kidding me? And then also like, wait, but wait, I was so invested in that scene. I loved it. I love that scene too, but Rifat, go for it. Yeah, uh, my favorite scene was uh, the end as well. Um, when she goes to actually confront the husband that why did he produce a play named Hamlet uh, or Hamlet, you know, uh, her son, and she had doubts about him. And I loved um, how she discovered that how hurt her husband was as well. I think that was the part um, and I'm not, like motherhood is awesome. And it's very, I have three kids and, you know, we all know that, but a lot of time in situation like this, we always think mother is the only one who's feeling that way. I loved how uh, she uh, kind of brought that part in the book as well, that just because he left and he didn't come back doesn't mean that he wasn't impacted by the death. It seemed like he was really impacted. And I kind of had a very, kind of, I, I was apprehensive. I was afraid that it was going to turn out to be where the dad is having affairs with other women and doesn't care. But I love that part, how she wrapped that whole emotion in the book in the end, bringing the father and his feelings uh, into that, you know, into that perspective. I just did not appreciate Agnes around there. I just didn't. Throughout the book, I just kept getting this. In the beginning, I liked Agnes. And as time went on, I just kept going, what is up with this woman? You know, I, I, I was like, okay, I'll believe you. I'll believe all your magical powers and your sense of, I get this. And I, I can just feel the air and things. Well, I, okay, I'll buy that. And then towards the end, I'm like, you're just full of bullshit is what you are. Ultimately, you have no empathy whatsoever. Just like what Rufith, you said, I just was kind of like, you know what? I'm glad your husband has taken time off away from you. I would too. I mean, seriously, woman, I, I don't know. I was just, there was something about her that just made Bowie's laughing here. I'm sorry. I just, her character, over time just dwindled in my eyes. I just, and for me, the scene was, the, the scene that I remember more is when she is ready to give birth a second time and she's trying to go run into the forest to give birth by herself. I'm like, I don't know what to think about it. I'm kind of like, I, I literally cannot process it. I still cannot process it. I don't know whose side I am on. But Erin, uh, go for it. So, okay. I didn't think, it didn't strike me as weird that she wanted to go into the woods and have her baby by herself. And I'm just going to be like very thoroughly honest about that because um, some people know this about me that are on here and other people don't, but I did 14 hours of labor with like no drugs. And honestly, if I felt like that I could have 
been okay and had my baby in the woods without anybody coming to take my child from me I might have done that like I might have considered that um so that didn't like strike me as too weird and also I feel like like that is some people's instincts like as much as we like to remove ourselves from animals like that is an instinct it is a natural instinct of protection and so that didn't it just wasn't off for me um and she really I think the way I would call her belief system is maybe like a little bit of spiritualism. So uh, coming from the background that I've come from in the country, there's lots of people that kind of are like that. So I don't know. That part seemed authentic to me and it made her a more interesting character. Uh, I was also very upset with her when she was not um, accounting for her husband's feelings about the death of their son. Um, But I think that was, I think the author was really showing a bias of the time through that because really at that time like fathers weren't very involved in the raising of their children and um, they oftentimes weren't seen as having you know the same feelings and it maybe even wasn't like considered manly to have the feelings of sadness or be that upset or distraught so um, I think that that was just a in one of the small circumstances where she was a product of the culture that she was in. Amy. I think my favorite scene was when he comes back and she is watching him and he has given her the bracelet. And then she realizes that he's been with other women. And I think one of the reasons I liked that so much was because I don't think that's necessarily her kind of spiritual powers or whatever. I think that was more like just women's intuition. So I really enjoyed that scene because it was like, oh, okay, you know, you don't have to be magic to do everything she does. I I like that one. What is the message of this book? I mean, ultimately, what what is the book trying to say? All right, Erin, your turn. Go. I was just going to say, the message that I took away from it was this, um, like the truth of our mortality. I, I don't know if there was a different message than that. Can you tell me more about the, the truth of our mortality? So basically that the message is that Hamnet dies and that ultimately we're all going to die. That's, that's it? Yeah, and how people process that truth differently. Okay. Um, Rufat, you were next. Yeah, I think uh, definitely death and grief was one of the message, but... Um, I also think that maybe it wasn't a book that was meant to really give a message. It was just a sort of like going over the, you know, the li- not the life of Shakespeare, but uh, maybe Hamlet. And because uh, when I read a little bit about Ma- Maggie O'Farrell, it's, she said that um, Hamlet is not mentioned a lot. And as a child, as a, as a parent who loses a child, that's a significant part of one's life, unfortunately. I mean, God forbid if it happens. And um, if you look at the way um, Shakespeare went from uh, comedy to tragedy, the way his uh, themes of play cha- plays changed, I think that's where she was trying to bring, in, bring out to front 
um, I mean, I think there has been some plays about Hamnet in England or somewhere where they are talking about the child, but nobody has really touched that part. So I think that was the primary reason for writing the book. And then, of course, the story has, like I said, the death and the grief and the family and also a love story between the two and um, and something about spirituality, too, you know, uh, going back to Agnes's uh, parents or Agnes's mom as well. But to me, it seemed like uh, she was just trying to bring some historical fact to the people. That's what, that's how I looked at the book. Okay. Jen, you're next. Yeah, I was, she said a lot of what I was thinking. Um, Shakespeare is this famous, the, one of the most famous people's, people ever to live, right? And the people that surrounded him are the people that made him maybe the person that he was. And we don't understand a lot about his motivations for what he wrote. Um, and so I think it's her way of uh, kind of figuring out what motivated him to write Hamlet and to write some of the ways he did and to have these kind of magical, wonderful people around him and his town. And even the, the grandfather whacking him, you know, maybe had something to do with his upbringing and the way he wrote and everything. And um, I thought that was her kind of, uh, it was about Shakespeare, right? Even though it was written about all the people that touched him on a day-to-day -day basis. Bowie? Yeah, I think uh, the way I really interpreted it more generally, and I feel like everything that you both just said really connects to that is, the interconnection of everything. I think part of why this novel moved me so much is because I feel like it has themes that are so resonant with what we all are going through right now with the pandemic and the ways in which it's forcing us to confront our interconnectedness, whether we wanna be or not. And I feel like this novel did such a beautiful job of showing the ripple effect of all of these relationships and like that just gave me the chills even saying it out loud. I loved seeing how everything connected the good, bad and the ugly in this world and on such an important cultural figure uh, too, as Jen was saying. Okay, what about relationships? I mean, Bowie's talking about relationships and interconnectedness. Let's talk about some relationships here. Let's talk about other characters. That's not Agnes or Will. Who were your other favorite characters and what was memorable about them and why did you like them or dislike them? Jen. I mean, Joan was memorable in just how awful she was, but we all kind of know somebody like that, right? Where their motivations are just to be um, a disappointment and just to kind of drag you into their, their disappointment and their dysfunction. Um, I, I, somebody came to mind for me where it's like, we well, kind of have to play them like this because they're always going to want to make you miserable. So if you do the opposite, then you can kind of work it that way. She's just a memorable character for me and just in her awfulness. Rufat, sorry. Um, yeah, jo Joan was definitely one of those. <laughs> and I also liked Mary, uh, especially when they said that, uh, I mean, Mary and Agnes were really um, kind of neck to neck with each other. But I like the scene where they, she said that they can be together and they can work in harmony when needed, uh, when one of the child is sick. Um, that I really liked. And I also liked uh, Agnes's brother. I think he played pretty good role. And I believe that he was a sincere and sensible kind of a person who um, took steps which were needed you know at the time that I think a brother should have done uh, even taking her to London in the end I thought that was very nice 
I, I like both of those characters and of course John. <laughs> I uh, really, really, really liked um, Agnes's brother the most. I think I just like good people and there was something so good about him that I liked that he was defending her and uh, it just, that was just, that was just great, you know, because we all want someone to be in our corner and it was nice to see him to be in Agnes's corner, whether I liked Agnes or not, that's not the point, but it was nice to see him in her corner. So that was like really cool. Erin, you have a different character you like? I was just going to agree with you. I really liked the brother, but I think that the reason I liked him so much was because he just seemed to like know her. He know he knew Agnes and he didn't question why she went to the woods. He didn't question really honestly why she did anything. It was like he just knew his sister and he it is just, just not a surprise to him. So Dr. Jen. I was just going to agree. I, I really liked um, Agnes's brother. I, I felt like Agnes was like the stereotypical kind of like air sign. She's very emotional and she's all over the place and she's in touch with everything. And then brother was so grounded and strong and immovable and at the same time perceptive. Um, and so he just took her at face value. And if she felt it, he was there right there with her. Um, so I, I, I thought the contrast between them was very interesting. What about the relationship between the twins? And uh, Sangeeta, go, you have your hand up, sorry. I said that's what I was going to, I was trying to figure out how I should uh, ask for his turn to talk, so I just figured that out. And uh, I wanted to bring up the relationship between the twins, uh, Judith and Hamnet. So it was really nice and it kind of um, also made me think about the relationship between Agnes and her brother. It was not the same, but uh, it made me think about it every time the two of the, the kids were uh, interacting and um, even towards the end where he wanted to trade her with death, that was kind of, uh, or for that age, it was uh, something very touching. Oh yeah, trading, yeah. yeah, trading your life is, that's a big deal. That yeah. was very nice. Lori. That's actually the perfect kind of segue into what I was going to say about the twins and even other characters besides the main characters I thought death itself was almost a character like there was this beautiful passage it was at 54 percent in my kindle I'm not sure what page it was on but about how Hamnet like when Judith was Judith right when Judith was sick that he could feel death in the room and that whole part about um should he insist it takes him to should they go together just as they always have like that I had to just like stop and I literally wrote it down because I loved it so much. <laughs> so yeah, I just thought that really highlighted the, the real bond between, between twins. For me, that scene as powerful as it was, I'm going to be devil's advocate. I just was like, you know, you can't just go and trade your life with someone else. This is a book. You've contrived this. Let's just trade lives. If, if, if your family member is dying and you really wanted to trade your life for theirs, this is not a fantasy. You can't just go to the hospital and say, you know, let's trade lives. It doesn't work that way. So I'm kind of like, oh, great. So unless I missed something, maybe Ham was Hamnet really, really, really sick? Or it's like suddenly, boom, oh, we're trading lives. And then here's this sick person got better, Hamnet dies. Wow, bingo, done. Uh, but, you know, I'm just obnoxious that way. Rufat, you're, you're next. I was just going to say when I think Laurie said about death that um, I think I wrote that quote somewhere that it's easy for death to make a mistake. And it was such a touchy line. 
And, um, you know, uh, when we read a certain book in a certain way, I think a mindset is very important when you're reading a book. That's how I look at it. Um, and I'm just going to uh, bring Goldfinch in it. Um, I don't know if anyone of you have read that book. A lot of people either like it or don't like it. If you have a mindset that you're reading a Dickens novel and a classic, you're going to love that book. But if you think you're going to read a contemporary fiction, you're not going to like. So mindset is important. And I think that played a huge part in reading this book that I didn't even think for a moment that the impossible was possible there where Hamnet actually took the place of death. So for me, that um, didn't strike me as... Um, and it's not possible, I understand. But somehow that was a very tender part of the book and it didn't bug me in any way. It just made, it just enhanced the story for me and the relationship of the twins. That, but again, totally mindset, you know, that's, I, you know. Hey, everyone has an opinion. You're totally, you're totally yeah. justified in what you're saying. I'm just obnoxious that way. So, like, and you're justified in what you're saying. I told you. I, told I just you okay. what you're saying. <laughs> Amy goes after me, but I will say this: that there is such a thing in books called suspension of disbelief, which mm -hmm. is what you're saying. That suspension of disbelief that yeah. oh, this could happen. Like you're just going with it. It wasn't yeah. there for me. All those magic and everything that yeah. suspension did not happen for me, and I don't know why. All right, Amy, go. What we call the poetic license, you know? Poetic that, license, yeah. It just didn't... Yeah, that's what I think. It didn't anyway, work on you. I'm sorry. I mean, she writes beautifully, but it didn't work on me. Amy. Okay, so my mom was a twin. She had a twin brother and my aunts and uncles, um, because she's been gone for a long time, they talk about how the twins, that's what they called my Uncle Bobby and my mom, the twins had their own language. And they were like this. They were stuck to each other like glue. They talked to each other in some kind of baby talk when they were little and they understood each other. Nobody understood what they were saying. So they had this enormous bond with each other. So when he, going to what you said about when he takes her place, it almost, again, like with the women's intuition, with her just knowing, I think for me, some parts of the book were like that and same with him taking her place. You know how uh, an elderly couple, one will die and a week later, the other one will die because they've lost the will to live. So that's kind of how it resonated with me when he took her place was that he almost just you know, told her, I'm taking your place. And then she took it as that's what it is. And he took it as that's what it is. And He's the one who died. So that's how I was thinking when I read that part. Okay. Erin? I, I think I took that part not literally, but like in the historical reference, because really in that time period, death was seen as like a figure, something that came and, you know, took the soul. And it, you know, there was a belief system that you could confuse death or you could trick death. So I just took it as like a, historical context like that's why he's saying this stuff I didn't take it literal okay my understanding from what you guys are telling me is a lot of this is allegorical then so I should have okay so I should have pretty much read this book as a fantasy 
So, okay, what, okay, what is the genre? Let, let's just forget it. Bowie, what is the genre of this book? And you love this book, so go at me. Go at it, girl. Go, let's do it. I completely disagree that it's all like an allegory. And if you read it that way, you would have loved it. I think you're loving hating this book. And I give you permission to feel that way. Thank Nothing you. Not that you need it. Um, I don't know. I didn't read. I didn't read it as an allegory, though. I love um, what I think it was. You, Lori, were saying about death being a character, and like there are these elements that feel hyper alive. But I definitely wouldn't think of this book as fantasy. I consider it literary historical fiction. That's how I think of it. Um, And reading this book made me realize that that's a genre that I'm obsessed with. I know I've mentioned in another book club, I'm sorry that I'm bringing this book up again, but the last time I felt this way about a literary historical uh, novel is All the Light We Cannot See. This is the first time I've had a book in years that made me feel that way where I felt really in that world. And so I very much felt based in reality in this novel. Um, but I I will say there is like a hyper aliveness, I guess, to certain elements that um, I'm open to hearing someone argue for a different classification, I guess. Erin, what's the classification of this book? Um, I mean, I agree with Bowie. Uh, I, I still think that it's a literary, like historical literary fiction. But I think that one thing we have to keep in mind, it feels like it's a fantasy in some points because, you know, you're talking about the magic um, that Agnes does, if you want to call it that, or what I would really term spiritualism. And then you're talking about how death is a character and is seen by the character, the actual solid characters as a being something that you can trick. And that, I, that really like, this is in the what 1580s. So this is like, they call the virus or the bacteria infection. I'm not sure if it was bacterial infection or if it was a viral infection, but they call it the pestilence and everything is the pestilence. It's not like that they can differentiate between different pestilences. This is just all the pestilence. So it just goes to show you like we are we have scientific understanding and so we're looking at this from a point of view that like they don't have that fact and so they can't like it seems fantastical to us but that really was like normal thinking back then because they didn't have science the scientific understanding yet so that that's why i i can understand why it would seem like a a fantastical situation to us when we're reading today but i think in the the historical context it just seems like a historical fiction to me rufat historical fiction for sure (laughs) i just thought that's what it was Uh, maybe just a little bit a little bit of biography but mainly historical fiction for me i would put it under literary fiction with I, I'm going to give it a long subgenre, you know, literary fiction with a sub historic, sub women's fiction, sub ad whatever, and sub fantasy. There you go. There's my long genre. Lori, you want to shorten my genre for me? <laughs> I mean, I agree with Bowie. I would, I would stick with the historical fiction and others said historical fiction as well. Uh, I don't I don't think the death element was really fantasy. I agree with Aaron in that death was 
personified in that time frame as a historical reference, you know, death come knocking at your door, uh, those kinds of things. So in, in that sense, I don't think that it's fantasy or, or anything like that. I think it's definitely historical fiction. I think for me, as Erin, you called it what, spiritualism? I think that element of her talking to all these, you know, healing people through spiritualism and everything was like spiritualism. I just sense my husband's having an affair. I just sense it. And then I'm going to go into his office and, oh my goodness, I was wrong. Everything's just this hoo-ha. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, like, okay, like a seance. Let me get into a seance mode is how I felt with all of that. So that's kind of where the spiritual fantasy came into being for me. Jen, you're looking at me like, you're like I, I can see. So for my listeners of this podcast, I can see everybody looking at me. And some people have got eyes like daggers. They're just looking at me like I am going to hurt this woman. And so I'm really glad that we're doing this book, this book club on Zoom today. So... <laughs> Are you saying I'm looking at you with eyes like daggers? Yeah, you are. You're like, oh, no, oh my no, my resting like, bitch face. I'm sorry. No, I'm just listening. Okay. Um, I, but I, I do, I, I'm not a spiritual person. I'll start with that. But okay. um, I guess not a religious person, but I like my book sprinkled with a little bit of the fantastical element. And I think that this one had um, historical fantastical elements in like, I'm sorry, I don't remember who said, maybe Aaron. Um, back then, everything was sort of magic. You know, it wasn't science. It was like, this is a pestilence. This is, um, we don't understand what this is. And so we're going to attribute it to God and to devils and to all these, you know, death in the room. Um, but even with even without the historical aspect, I like my books to have a little bit of a of fantasy of magic because that's where else do we get it? You know, if we don't get it from novels, um, I, I always like that when they kind of put something in, unless it goes over the top and it's just totally extraordinary and it's not fitting in, in the moment. But this one, I feel like she did it beautifully in that Agnes had this sort of like, you know, sprite pixie mother who pranced around in the woods and came out of the woods and, and then, you know, had these magical children were raised by this wicked stepmother. Um, and so they, they, they hung on to this little bit of their mom and that was the herbs and the herbal remedies and her able to like heal and, um, I kind of like that aspect of her character. I didn't find it to be cheese fantasy. I found it to be um, sort of a little bit of magic that she brought with her into the book. Okay, this is going to be a similar thing to favorite scene, but were, were there any elements in the book that just made your emotions just go on hyperdrive, whether it made you super happy or super sad, uh, just your emotions were just completely off. Not off, but crazy. Uh, Jen. I just went, I'm sorry, I'm going again. But the the surroundings that she described of Stratford, uh, Stratford-upon-Avon, I just, I, I love the way she described the town and the buildings and the, the people walking up and down the street and the merchants and the, the kids pushing the barrels and everything. I felt like I was there. I've been to Stratford-upon-Avon. I've walked through Shakespeare's birthplace. Um, it's incredible. It's mind blowing the way it's been preserved. Um, and so to read about it, I was just over the moon. I just loved her descriptions. She's obviously been there. Um, and it's, I, I just loved the way she described the town. Bowie? I had a very similar experience to Jen, as far as the description goes. Uh, but what I was going to say, I know some people said the way in which we move through time 
maybe is confusing at certain parts, but I found that to be so effective. The way in which these various um, periods of time were stitched together worked so well for me. I loved visiting the initial love story of Agnes and Will and then seeing them in the more present threat, like all of that back and forth was just so moving to me and I think so well done. Uh, let's see anyone else with emotional uh, for me the emotionally I think the book just kept making me off keel I was completely off center a lot of times because I was disappointed or happy or confused it was constantly it was keeping me on my toes so that's good but yeah it was and and of course, you know, Hamnet dying was sad. Okay, um, and there was anger towards the end with Agnes and Will and all of that. So there's my emotional thing going crazy. I haven't been to Stratford upon Avon. Want to go someday? So, uh, but it was beautifully written. So, Erin. Yeah, my strong feelings. Um, I think go back to her uh, idea about a birth plan and like you know, she wanted to do it her way and everybody had an opinion about that and, you know, wanted to judge her for that. And I'm glad that in the end, in the tw- with the twins, she had somebody there because she obviously was going to need somebody. But I think that that could have, they could have gone about that very differently because I think they just made her feel like captured and that probably, you know, was bad. But I, I have lots of feelings around birth situations myself. So I think that was just me, my experience um, as coming in um, in the reading. Rufat? To me, I think the the book was full of emotions. If it was in their love affair, it was the birth. If it was in birth, it was death. And then the last one, which was, um, you know, infidelity that she suspected. Um, I don't know. I keep going back to that scene. And I really loved when she sets out for London. And, um, you know, I was really very emotional because, I mean, when I was reading the book, I knew Hamnet was going to die or he, you know, at the beginning, she says, and knowing about the book. So it was an expected thing. But uh, what was not expected was how the relationship was going to be or, you know. um, So that's when she goes. And again, that's like you said, it's tied to my favorite scene again. And uh, I I just thought that was very emotional for me when she described and Maggie O'Farrell described the dad's side and then. Uh, when Agnes actually saw in the um, in the play the part where she realized that why did he created what he created and why did he name the play Hamlet? That was really the best part and most emotional for me. I will tell you that I was a little um, surprised, pleasantly, that the book wasn't just about Hamlet. I know you say, well, it is. It was about Hamlet. Somehow, when I picked up the book, I thought, story structure. What is the story structure? It is titled Hamnet, which means you, you're starting off saying that this character is going to die, which means be prepared, Shanaz. Hamnet's going to die at the end. They're going to really make you love Hamnet so much. You're going to, like, super, like, your heart's just going to just get out of your chest because you're going to want Hamnet to live at the end and then he's going to die and then the book's going to close and you're just going to be weeping. That's what I thought, like story structure. So pleasantly surprised and happy that 
oh, it's not about Hamnet dying. It is, but there's this relationship there. So I like that element of it, but it really was kind of like, wait, you didn't follow the right, the structure. This is the structure. I'm, I'm just kind of like, you know, walled off here. So that was good and bad uh, that way for me. So Bowie. Yeah, you reminded me about my experience early on in the book where I was really surprised when things start, it started to seem like Hamnet wasn't going to be around for very long. And I definitely was like, wait, but, but then like, what's this book going to be about? Like, what's going to fuel this book? Why would I want to keep reading? I definitely was going in thinking like, this is going to be like this story where the whole time we're just waiting to see how Hamnet dies, which sounds so dark, but I was very surprised when I realized like, oh, they're like killing off the lead. Like what's going to happen after this? And I think that's actually that surprise was part of what got me invested because I feel like that's such a difficult thing to pull off that part of me was like, how are you going to do this? I don't know if you can pull this off. And then I, I really felt like she did in the end. Lori? I agree with you, Shanaz. The story to trajectory was not what I expected. I expected a similar kind of thing. Like, oh, let's get really attached to Hamnet and then he's going to die. And you know he's going to die, but it's still going to rip your heart out. And that didn't happen. But what got me thinking when I was reading the book, it, it made me think about your discussion with Against the Loveless World and the title of the book. And, <laughs> and here we go. I'm going there. I'm going here there. Here we go. Here Let's we go. Do it. And so I'm like, well, I don't think that Hamnet is the best title for the book. I mean, obviously on the bigger picture, <laughs> it inspired the play Hamlet. That's what made us look at the book. That's what makes you interested in the book because you think, oh, Hamlet, I love Hamlet. But it's not really just about Hamlet or Hamnet, right? And I'm not sure that Agnes is an appropriate title either, because I would not pick up a book titled Agnes. I don't know what an appropriate title is, but I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure that after reading the content of the book that Hamnet is the appropriate title. It's a Though great segue. I can segue see because... why a publisher would do that for sure. Lori, that's a great segue because I always ask, like, as we're getting cure, is did you like the cover? and the title. So let's just go with the title right now. I really, I'm a neutral on the title. Honestly, I didn't dislike it. You know, like like the book Nahar that we did. Oh wait, that wasn't the title of the book. It was Against the Loveless World. Oh, I'm so sorry, Bowie, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> I had to do that, sorry. But um, I'm neutral. I, I, I didn't mind it. It didn't jar me and go, oh, but. I'm neutral to the title, good and bad. Bowie? I'm not even going to get in to the Naher against Love Great. <laughs> I can't emotionally handle it. <laughs> I've already put everything I got into it. Uh, no, but seriously, as far as the title goes, I like the nerd in me was so excited when you get that part in the beginning about Hamnet and Hamlet being the same. Like, what? What? I love that. Um, and I do feel like there's something thematically happening there and which is why the um, scene at the theater when Agnes realizes what's really going on, like where her first perception isn't where she kind of ends up in the end. So I'm really curious if anyone has any thoughts on that as far as how the title and that play between Hamnet and Hamlet is maybe part of some of the, the things that are being explored in the book. 
Uh, my understanding is uh, they're the same name. That in Shakespearean time, the ham, I'm trying to think, my husband explained this to me. I think Hamlet is the given name. That's what goes on your birth certificate or something. But your family calls you Hamnet, but it's like the same name, kind of like your name is William, but everyone calls you Will. It's sort of like that is my understanding on it. Uh, Rufat, I'm going to get back to you, but I know Amy has to leave in about 10 minutes. So I just want to see what Amy thinks about the title or the cover. I liked both. Um, the, like everybody else said, the title was, I thought it was going to be about something totally different than what it was actually about. But I think that... Um, a lot of the book revolves around the fact that he died and the characters were so deeply affected by his death, each one in a different way that I felt okay that it was titled that. Okay, Rufat? So uh, the title, uh, I thought it was really good title. I wouldn't pick a book otherwise. It really brought that, um, you know, excitement about Shakespeare and Hamlet. Uh, and I also think uh, Maggie O'Farrell probably, it's also a marketing technique. It would attract more people if she gave that title. That's how I look at it. It was probably, uh, that's what I think that, I, I can't think of another title. I, I know that in Juke, when the book was released, it was called Hamnet and Ju Ju Judith, Judith, right? And oh, it they, was. Okay. Yeah. So that's another name for the book. But in America, or maybe the later edition, they just called it um, a Hamlet. And a Hamlet would not have been very attractive. It would be just like maybe somebody wrote something about uh, the play or something. But Hamlet kind of got the um, attention from me. And uh, I also like the, the cover, both the covers actually, that, that I've seen. I completely agree with you on the marketing aspect because Hamlet got me. I mean, the, whatever marketing they were playing at, it worked. It worked on me 100% because I was like, I'm curious. Dr. Jen. That's what I was going to say, too. It was it made me curious. It was like, well, is this Hamlet? What is this about? And then I had to go read a little bit more about it. So it definitely brought me in that way. And I thought it was appropriate um, because, I mean, he even though he died early in the book or relatively early in the book, he was still a presence all the way up to the end, even in the end in the play. Um, so he was still there and he kind of brought it all back together and brought the two parents back together, even though he wasn't literally there anymore. Um, so I, I felt that it was appropriate. Sangeeta, you haven't said much, so I'm just going to call on you. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the title was pretty appropriate. Like it started off with Hamnet, like the way, and initially, like I know, I, I, I don't know if it's appropriate here, but uh, when they started off, the way they described it, I didn't know if he was alive or dead. Like when everything was, everybody was missing, it was dark. And so it was, it kept you going in the beginning. So I feel he was there in the beginning and then his death and then the play in the end. So he was there like in different aspects. So, and all the characters, I mean, were woven around that. So I think uh, the title was attractive and also appropriate. I, I like that, you're right. He was there throughout and it all weaves around him. I, I didn't consider right. that. that, that that is beautiful. 
What about the cover? I know this book went through a couple of covers. One has that more traditional, like a, um, what do you call those? Like a crust. Yeah, like a crust kind of a cover. And then the new one has the feather cover. I will just tell you, I like the old cover better than the new cover. The new cover makes no sense to me whatsoever. I could, yeah. I don't even know why they changed it. I have no idea about the marketing. Bowie, it's your turn. Go for it. Go at me. I think both are gorgeous, which is which is rare. I love both, even though they're very different. But I do prefer the one with the feather over the eyes. No! It's so interesting and strange and sort of foreboding. And I don't really understand it, which I think is why I love it. You don't understand it. And that's why you love it. And yet... We talk about covers and you're like, it makes no sense. And now you have a cover you don't understand and you love. This is Bowie. I, I don't know. Never mind. I'm, I'm an anomaly. Okay. Get used oh, to it. Okay. Erin. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I prefer the British cover. I think the one with the, like you said, the more traditional, like looks like a crest or a monogram or something. Um, I don't understand the boy with the feather myself. I mean, I get it's a boy. Um, with the feather, with the feather, but I don't understand the feather is I guess what I should say. Uh, so, so for me, I think I've decided through our multiple weeks of comparison with the British versus the American that somehow I have been socialized British because I always like the British marketing better than the American. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, British Aaron, uh, we'll see. We, we will get to a point where you're going to like the American better. We'll see. Jen, you're next. I was just going to say, isn't it a quill? Isn't it a quill that they wrote with back in the Shakespearean days? Um, so I think that it's signifying that it's being, you know, he's being written about and all that. Um, my only problem with the title and the cover is the subtitle, The Novel of the Plague. I don't think that belongs there. I don't think that should be there. Maybe they put it just so people would pick it up right now in 2020, 2021. Um, I think that was a clever little marketing sneak because it's not a novel of the plague. I read a novel of the plague this year, a year of wonders, and that is a novel of the plague that is descriptive. Um, this went into it, but it was just conjecture on the author's part. And that's even how he died. Um, I liked the bit about the monkey and the, and the fleas actually, that was really fun, but the novel of the plague, I think that's a little misleading. I actually did not like the part about the monkey and the fleas. And I just was like, what? Where are you going with this? I mean, I'm kind of like Maggie O'Farrell, focus. The word is called focus. Keep with the story. Where are you going somewhere on a boat? I'm like, oh my gosh. Anyway, I, I like I'm telling you, I here. am all contradiction today. I'm ready. I'm devil's advocate today. So uh, bring it on anybody. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts on the cover or the title okay moving on the grand question of all you guys ready the rating of the book what would you rate it out of five stars and i will take half stars too Lori, you had your hand up first go for it so i rated this three stars um for me like i said i love the writing i you know it was beautiful writing but the first two-thirds of it just fell flat for me and didn't work for me and I wasn't as invested in the story until the last third of it. 
I, I think I could be convinced, especially after our conversation today, of three and a half stars. I wish Goodreads did half stars. So for, for this purpose today, I'll leave it at three and a half. Okay. I'm going to go to Amy because I know you have two more minutes before you leave, Amy. So um, I, I do have to agree with a lot of other people. And then in that the beginning, I got confused. But then once I got past the beginning and the switching back and forth between times and I figured out who was who and what was going on, five. So. Wow. Five, huh? Uh, I'll just tell you my, I, I rated it at four because there were things I really liked. Uh, there were things in the story I really liked. Obviously, I'm here yelling and ranting about this book. If, if it's getting my voice riled up, it deserves a little bit more. But the story didn't hit 100% home. So that's why I gave it four. And the prose is beautiful. So four is very good, though. Four. Who's going next with ratings? Everyone's just staring at me and I don't see any hands up here. Oh, uh, Lo no, Lori's hands down. Um, Rifat. Oh, I'll go if nobody else. Um, it, the way I rate a book, if the book has uh, kept me interesting and excited throughout, I would go with five. And this is the book that um, when I read it and I finished it and I was like, I'll have to find another book to match it this year. So this is the only book I've read, but I'm reading two others. So, so far, this was the best book. Um, I usually don't go ahead and keep giving five, but this one I would, because there was not a moment when I didn't like it. And I don't know, I just love the book. Okay. Bowie, you're next. Absolutely five stars. Many of you already know my rating system. A five star can only exist if I would read again. Not to confuse with, I will read again, but I would. So definitely a five star for me. Jen? Five for me too. I just, it hit every box for me. Um, I don't give a lot of five stars. I have lately for some reason. I guess I've just been reading really well, but um, this, this is five star for me for sure. I would recommend it to everybody I meet and I could talk at length about it. So I loved it. Sangeeta? Yeah, I would give it a four and a half, I would say. Um, I just like the way it flowed and the way she tied everything together. And uh, it was one of those books where I got done really quick. I just had to keep at it. So yeah, I enjoyed the book. Who hasn't given me a star rating here? Uh, okay, Dr. Jen. Uh, I gave it a four also. Um, I loved the, the prose and the writing and the emotions. Um, I was also confused by the back and forth and the time periods at the beginning. Um, and again, at the, at the end, I, I thought there was going to be some more plot and there wasn't. So uh, the plot was a little meh to me. But for, for I, still, I still liked it. It was still good. Aaron? I also gave it a four. Um, the prose were amazing. Um, and there were some really, really good scenes like we've talked about tonight. Um, but I agree that there were some parts that I wish would have been developed a little bit more. And I'll be honest, like this is not my typical genre. So that probably also played a little bit into my rating, but I, I thought it was a solid four. And oh, and my, my ratings is that if I would have to recommend it to somebody to get a five and I honestly haven't recommended it to anybody yet. I just haven't had felt like there was the appropriate situation. That's it for this time. Our next book club pick is Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. That's next month in February. In the meanwhile, I'll be doing an author conversation with Jamie McGillan 
So stay tuned for that one. And I'm working on another bookish episode. And of course, end of month and more. So stay tuned. Before I go, I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, you know the name, but you'll be a part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code L-L-T-B podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the links in the show notes. If you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Join the conversation with me on a new app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's an audio app for podcast listeners like yourself. You will find something there that will interest you that you can interact with. And it's a great way to chat with me. Check it out. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Flavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time 